Hey, good morning. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here online this morning. I'm Micah. This is Sarah. We're the lead pastors at the Vine Church, and we are honored to get to spend this time with you today. Absolutely. Before we dive into our message today, we just wanted to take a moment to recognize that this has been a really challenging season for our community. Um, and so we wanted to spend a minute just to pray for our community, specifically with the increased numbers with COVID right now. We want to pray for wisdom as our community tries to stop the spread of COVID. And we want to pray specifically for our healthcare workers and the difficult jobs that they are, are doing right now, just for strength for them. So we ask you to join us in prayer. Dear God, we thank you that you are present. You are here, Lord, and that you listen when we speak to you. Lord, right now, we just pray for our community here in the Tri-Cities, Lord, and also in our nation and globally, Lord. We pray for the stop of the spread of COVID, God. We pray that you would bring help bring about healing in our community and throughout the world. Lord, we pray specifically for our healthcare workers that during this time when they are overwhelmed and overworked, Lord, that you would give them strength and that you would give them wisdom during this time. God, we, we trust you and we ask that you would open our eyes to our part in, in, in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for being here with us this morning. Today, we continue a series that we've been in in the book of Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians is written by Paul to the churches in Ephesus and in the region surrounding that. Uh, that's modern-day Turkey, and he is writing to Christians saying, hey, this is what it looks like to live into the way of Jesus Christ, people that are passionate, churches that are gathered in homes and taking communion together. And he's writing to them saying, all right, in the first three chapters, uh, he says, this is what Christ has accomplished. This is what God has accomplished through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. You are loved children of God. Uh, you have an inheritance. All that is God's, he is giving to you. He talks over and over about unity uh, as both this uh, Jewish and Gentile church is now trying to come together and meet together in homes and worship together. Um, so the first three chapters speak of identity. Now, the latter three chapters, he begins to dig into, so here's what, here's what you need to do. Here's what it looks like to live into the way of Jesus. And so we're going to continue. We are in chapter 5 today. We're going to be looking at chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should, should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath has come upon those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists 
in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So last week and this week, Paul is giving instruction on some of the details of what it looks like to walk in the way of Christ. And he gives some details of what not to do and what to do as followers of Jesus. Now, uh, right in the middle of this section of instruction in five verses one and two is kind of um, the, the pivotal statement that ties together all of this instruction. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ love, loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He speaks here of the way of God, the way of Christ as the way of love, and we ought to love as Christ has loved. Now, I want to take just a moment to highlight this love because the way the uh, Greek word for love here um, would be understood in the first century might differ somewhat from the way we use the word love in our culture. For instance, I can love my spouse, I can love my children, and I can also say I love coffee. But those Hopefully are, not the same right, way, right? <laughs> those are very different things and concepts. We use the word love in very broad senses. Now, in Greek, there's quite a number of words that would be translated as love in our language. Now, the love here that he's speaking of is the word agape in the original Greek, okay? And uh, in English... Um, uh, well, sorry, in the Greek, as opposed to other words for love that would mean like romantic love or a brotherly love, those kind of having to do with the feeling and the relational aspect, uh, this is relational, but in a different way. Agape refers to a loyalty, a moral interest in the well-being of others. It has less to do with the feeling, um, but instead exists and is lived out in particular ways. So as he speaks of love here, he speaks of not as much a feeling, but a commitment to the well-being of others, okay? So in 1 John 3.16, this is kind of defined for us. He says, this is how we know what love, agape, is. Uh, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So he says, this is what love is. Jesus' sacrifice that he loved was that committed to the well-being of you that he would lay down his life. And we too are called in this passage to follow his example and live out this agape love for one another. I love that. And it says, as dearly loved children. 
We are called to live out this love. Now, we have two children. Most of you guys have probably met our two girls, and it has been such a beautiful journey. Parenting is crazy. It's awesome, and it's also a bit crazy. You know, from the time our girls were born, from the time we brought them home, they've been learning from us, and we've been responsible for them. And I remember when they were really little, we were teaching them things like how to walk and how to feed themselves and how to talk. And we were with them 24-7, either us or grandparents. We were very blessed to have grandparents that, that helped us with our children. And, and as they've gotten older, now they're upper elementary, middle school, as they've gotten older, they're still learning from us, but it's, it's looks different. They're learning more complex things like how to make decisions, how to deal with emotions, how to interact with each other. And part of our job as parents is to um, help teach them some, some basic principles of how to live well. For example, doing our, we're doing our best to teach them to love and to respect others, to show kindness to others. And what's interesting is I was reflecting on this parenting journey for us is whereas before we were with our kids 24 seven when they were little, now they're about to start school again and they're going to be away from us for like six or seven hours each day. And they have so much freedom now to make their own choices and to choose how they're going to live and how they're going to interact. And so when I when I look at this passage that where Paul writes, follow God's example and walk in the way of love, I hear Paul describing these basic principles for the believers in Ephesus saying, hey, this is how you're to live and you're going to have a whole lot of freedom, what that looks like in your life. But here's the basic principle. Follow God and walk in the way of his love, agape love, this self-giving love. And so much is un un encompassed in this broader idea. So live like Christ lived. But then Paul goes on to give some specific instruction to the people of Ephesus, right? Um, and, and specific instruction that relates to us as well as we explore it. So he goes on to draw these contrasting ideas. And the first one he draws is... Um, uh, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, right? He says, uh, none of this has a place amongst you. Instead, be holy. Now, mm -hmm. as, as the church in Ephesus, as the churches in Ephesus, uh, hear these words, impurity and immorality or, or sexual immorality, he's, uh, he, it's likely that they're thinking of and hearing some of the very relevant cultural things that take place there in Ephesus. For instance, in Ephesus was the, uh, the temple to the Greek god Artemis, or in Rome she's known as Diana. And people would come from all regions of the world to worship at the temple of Artemis. This is one of the largest, most beautiful, and well-known temples in the world. And she was, amongst other things, the goddess of fertility. And so uh, prostitution as worship was a part of temple practices. And this is well known. And Paul is speaking to an audience that some of them lived in that life previously, right? And he's saying, put away all these things of the past. And instead he contrasts it with uh, the holy people of God. Now to be holy simply means to be set apart. He says, 
You are set apart for new things. You are set apart for my things, for beautiful new things in this world. So he's saying, put off the old and live as a person that is set apart for my remarkable purposes in this world. And he goes on and, and he says that it's not just your actions that matter, but also your speech. And he says, let there be no obscenity, foolish talk or coarse jo joking. Instead, be thankful. And I find this so fascinating. He says, instead, be thankful. Recognize what God has done, what God is doing, and choose speech that is filled with thanksgiving towards God. Later on in verse 20, he says, give thanks to God the Father for everything. You know, isn't it true that how we speak sets, how we speak sets the tone? In our lives, I mean, I think about when I when I get up in the morning, sometimes my first conversations with the girls or with Micah kind of sets the tone for how that morning or that day will go. It can change our perceptions. It can change our interpretations and it can change how we engage each other. And Paul here is saying, pay attention to your speech and speak with thanksgiving, focus your speech on what God has done and being thankful towards God. Yeah. Okay. And then he continues and he begins upon this illustration of darkness and light. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty common uh, in his writing. But let's see what he had to say. Uh, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. I'm going to pause there uh, and, and, and let's touch base on this darkness and light. Yeah, so he contrasts the idea of darkness and light. And darkness, often a metaphor referring to sin and death. And light is used as a metaphor referring to life. In fact, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life in John 8. And, and we've seen um, throughout Ephesians, the, book, the letter of Ephesians that Paul writes to, to the believers saying, um, in Jesus, you know, you are made alive. In Jesus, you're forgiven. You're redeemed. You've been made new. You've been united into this one new humanity. This is the light of life. This is the light that is found in Jesus. And so Paul here says, you are now in the, you are now light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. Recognize who you are now in this new life in Jesus and live that way. And he goes on to say, and this is demonstrated by goodness and righteousness and truth. And this was countercultural back then, as it is countercultural right now. To live as children of life means our, in, in our interactions, in our words, in our deeds, there is goodness, there is righteousness and truth. So he says, live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord. I think this is really interesting, and it, it comes from both sides. As we live as children of the light, we will come to realize more fully uh, God's desire and his fullness. Um, but also it's this pursuit of, like, 
what in my life might please God? And I think it's a really interesting phrase for him to include in here. I was thinking of um, years ago when we were first married and we went through um, a a book study and some small group study on the the love languages, the five love languages. Remember this? And um, it's things like words of affirmation or quality time or physical touch, acts of service or receiving gifts. And what it identifies is that sometimes the way I might demonstrate love is not the way you perceive and receive love. So to know what your love language is means I can intentionally uh, demonstrate love in ways that is, is most appreciated and understood. And so it was a valuable study when we went through that. But I hear some of that language in here. It's like, pursue knowing what pleases God. And I think that happens in two ways, primarily. Certainly through our study of Scripture, we learn about God and what He desires of us. But further, I think there's this opportunity in our personal lives, in our dynamic and living relationship with a living God, to spend time pursuing God. What in my life would be pleasing to you? How can I live in ways that are pleasing to you? And I think it it just highlights that rich and dynamic relationship that we're invited into. And also that we have freedom, that God gives us so much freedom to choose things that please him. Mm-hmm. I love I love that idea. Paul continues and he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have nothing to do with the darkness. Don't try to live in both worlds, but rather expose the deeds of darkness. And that's a really interesting um, phrase. For, for me, I think of you know, when, when we encounter ungodliness, to recognize it for what it is, to recognize that that is, that is not of God, and then to offer an alternative way of life, to demonstrate in our words and our actions that there's a different way of engaging life, and that is the way of agape love that you were talking about before. And then Paul has this really interesting phrase, in uh, verse 13, he says, uh, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And I can't help but, but think about God's transformative power in our life. Um, in John, Jesus is described as the light. And John writes that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. That when the light of Jesus shines in the darkness, the darkness is transformed to light. So we, we don't ex- recognize and expose darkness simply to condemn it, but rather that God might transform it. Now, this is a challenging concept as well, because uh, being exposed is just never a good feeling. Like nothing about that phrase Mm -hmm. sounds good uh, were we to be exposed in some way. And yet, I think it highlights a really important principle. I I had an experience in life that um, relates closely to this. As a teenager, I had gone off the rails. My mind was not right and my actions were following. And um, I was in a very broken and dangerous place in my life. And finally, after some time, it reached a point where my best friend from growing up who I was in high school with um, he uh, he had not been living the ways I had but he saw what was happening 
And finally, one day he felt so conflicted uh, and fearful that he called my parents mm -hmm. and he told them everything <laughs> that had been going on in my life in that season. And uh, being exposed in that way uh, at first brought up anger and uh, fear mm -hmm. and all of these sorts of things. But I'll tell you what, that was such a pivotal turning point in my life that I am forever grateful mm -hmm. that things came to the light in the way they did that enabled me to t step back, take a look and say, where do I want to be in life and what do I want to be doing? It was that exposure that created this stark uh, vision in my mind for where I was and where I was invited mm -hmm. To be going. So uh, the the message here isn't that we uh, point fingers at people for the sake right. of pointing fingers at people, um, but instead he's saying as things come to the light, there is new hope and new opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then Paul continues. He says, "This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you.'" Wake up, O oh sleeper. I don't know if you're a morning person. I am not a morning person. Uh, it, I don't wake up well. I, I mean, honestly, it takes me some time and I don't want to have a conversation. I want to sit with my cup of coffee uh, because I love coffee. That's a theme today, I guess. No, but I just, you know, I don't, I don't wake up quickly and well and easily. And um, I, I love this statement here. Wake up, O oh sleeper. He's saying in your spiritual walk, he's speaking to followers of Jesus in Ephesus. And he's saying, hey, it's time to wake up. Come on. You, I mean, you've been saved. You're a child of God. All this has already been accomplished. But now wake up so that you can intentionally live into this moment. Wake up and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This might be referencing Isaiah 60 verse 1 that says, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. That in Jesus the dead find life again. That in Jesus, who is the light of the world, Jesus shines on us and gives us light. Now we, um, it might be referencing this scripture. It, it might not be. What's interesting is it kind of looks like, it appears to be, we're not for sure, but it appears to be a song that was actually mm -hmm. sung in the first century church. What a cool song. What a cool lyric. Wake up sleeper, rise from the dead. The light of Christ is shining on you. Mm -hmm. Okay, and he continues in verse 15. So be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Be careful. Be intentional with how you live. Don't just walk around without intent there. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. People, wisdom is knowledge and understanding actually put into practice. Mm -hmm. Knowledge and understanding that's lived and out. So this is where our, our thoughts and our beliefs come together, are aligned with our speech and our actions. Yeah, and, he's, and so one of his examples of that is don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, uh, in the original Greek, I doubt the play on words here is quite as ironic. Uh, I don't know if you know, but one of the terms for liquor is spirits. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, that's so definitely So don't get not. drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> no. 
Spirit. No, this is the Spirit of God, not spirits that it's talking about. No, it, it's ironic and humorous. But uh, no, he's saying instead of allowing your mind to be controlled by these other substances or other things, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we think of filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't know what kind of faith background you have or, or, you know, what role the Holy Spirit has played in the conversations and the experiences that you've had in life. Often we think of the Holy Spirit in these uh, grand terms, and we see it throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit filling people like Samson to have power or um, to accomplish remarkable things. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes, and we see the gifts of speaking in tongues and all of these miraculous sorts of things. Uh, and those are all true and good. And Holy Spirit, come, let's pray that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. No question about that. But what's interesting about this conversation in this passage of the Holy Spirit is that he describes, well, much more ordinary experiences as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Ordinary experiences that have extraordinary outcomes. Absolutely. So the main verb in Greek here is be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then Paul goes on to list four ways of how being filled with the Spirit influences their daily lives. So these are four uh, participles, so like, kind of like ing verbs. So he's saying be filled with the Spirit, speaking from the Spirit, so that our speech is filled with the Spirit. Um, that's number one. Number two, he says be filled with the Spirit, singing and making music to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I love that, that worshiping in song and through music. And then third, he says, be filled with the spirit, giving thanks to God for everything. And again, that frame, that perception, that framework of, of gratitude and, and, and thanking God, seeing what God has done and is doing, and then thanking God for everything. And then finally, it's actually found in verse 21, which we did not read, uh, be filled with the spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is a, tran a, a tra the transition to the next section that we're going to talk about next week, mutual submission and what that looks like. But I love this passage because it paints a beautiful picture of ordinary, like daily life how daily life is changed by the Spirit. That this way of life, this way of walking in agape love radically changes how we interact with each other every day. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So let's zoom out and let's look at the big picture here. Um, he is speaking to the church in Ephesus, and we too are gleaning from this. What does it look like to live into the way of Jesus? And he speaks about some specific do's and don'ts. He says things like uh, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, greed, do away with all that stuff. Obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, do away with it. Don't live in drunkenness or in darkness or in the unwise and foolish ways that you once knew. But instead, listen to the picture that he paints of the way of Jesus. Live in holiness with thanksgiving. Live as children of the light, filled with the Holy Spirit. Be wise, coming to know more fully God's will in your life. And most importantly, verses 1 and 2. Be imitators of God. As dearly loved children, follow God's example and live in the way of love. And I, I just find it so hopeful 
to reflect on this, that we have been loved by a God who is love, that we have been drawn in, and now we are being called to imitate him, imitate the ways in which he loves, and to live a life of self-giving love. Be imitators of God. That is a beautiful calling and a beautiful opportunity for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. So what do we do with this text? Like, how does it impact Mm -hmm. us here today, 2,000 years later, as we retranslate this text into our lives and our churches? Well, I think if we were to take this and um, read it as a comprehensive list of do's and don'ts to be uh, a child of God, we would do it an absolute disservice. Mm -hmm. That That is not what this is for. What this is for is laying out some principles and giving us some guidelines or some guardrails that say, hey, here's some of the things that maybe your culture promotes but are not intended for followers of God. He's saying there is a better way of living and being. And so I think each of us has some room to identify, to explore, to go internal, to think and to pray and to consider what are some of the things in my life that might be contrary to living a a life full of the Spirit and on mission with God? What are some of the the sins or vices or addictions or things in my life that are preventing me from living into this new identity that I've been given through Jesus? And then we have the opportunity to open ourselves up to God and say, yes, God, fill us. Fill me, fill us with your Holy Spirit and teach us to live this new way of life. Absolutely. Let's pray about that. Dear God, we thank you so much, Lord, for the ways in which you love us, the ways in which you draw us near and you call us to be your children. God, I pray for our small community here, Lord, but also just for all the believers um, throughout the world, Lord, that you would teach us to live as your loved children. Teach us to live out this self-giving love that you demonstrated in Jesus. God, we thank you and we ask for your wisdom and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, friends, thanks again for joining us. We're so honored to be with you today, and we pray that you have a blessed week. Bye. Bye, everyone.